So here we are again. Welcome back. This is episode 17 of the Three Lions podcast, the only dedicated England podcast. My name is Russell Osborne, and thank you all for your feedback on the last episode. Very much appreciated. And hey, that interview with John Devlin seemed to go down pretty well. Thank you very much. Um, As I said previously, we'll try and record and provide this podcast on a more regular basis. Now, there has been plenty of England news of late, but I've decided to just concentrate on the forthcoming friendlies against Holland and Italy. Probably seems a bit disjointed, but we'll reflect on the Lionesses and others in a couple of weeks' time when we talk about the results of these upcoming games. Hopefully, we won't need to be speaking about anything that is dictated by politics and Russia. Now, I've also managed to get the lowdown on our opposition as well from some people in the know. So that's coming up. So if you're listening on your way to Holland by train, plane or boat, settle back, grab that beer. Uh, or if you're in the car, uh, eyes on the road. Now, you've probably seen it by now, but Gareth Southgate has announced his latest squad for those friendlies. At the start of the month, my thinking was, this isn't the time to be messing around with players. Barring injuries, which we seem to have encountered, this should more or less be the squad for the summer, with only four games to go. We should be looking at a settled team. Obviously, injuries are a possibility. Uh, But key names, formations, really, this isn't the time to be changing them now. But taking into account the, uh, the lack of game time that some of our regular players have had in recent weeks... I'm now kind of looking at it from a different perspective. Do we need to take in experienced players or players from uh, the trophy winning sides from the last year um, to, to the biggest tournament that they're ever likely to play in? Now, the obvious absentee is Tottenham's Harry Kane. Uh, the perhaps surprising one was Gary Cahill. Now, with regards to Kane... Ligament damage sustained in his right ankle in Spurs' 4-1 victory over Bournemouth seems to have put him out until April time. Trying to put a positive spin on it means he's going to get a period of rest, be back for club, then for country. Although looking back on England games, England haven't scored in the past two against Germany and Brazil. Again, in which Kane didn't feature. Previous to that, we had two 1-0 wins, you may remember, against Lithuania and Slovenia where Kane was the scorer in both. And before that, the last game that Kane didn't even score in was the September fixture against Slovakia. Uh, Eric Dyer and Marcus Rashford, the goal scorers that day, in a 2-1 win. Now, we'll hear from Gareth Southgate shortly, but what he did say in his recent press conference was that in those 14 games as England manager, Harry Kane has been available for six of those and scored in seven of them. Impressive. Tell you what, let's take a look at that list of players he's announced. Okay, so the squad has been announced. It's a 27-man squad. Here are the facts. 506 caps between them with an average age of 25.4. Arsenal provided two players. Bournemouth one, Burnley two, 
Everton one, Leicester two, Liverpool main provider with five, Manchester City with two, Manchester United with three, Southampton with one as of Stoke and Swansea, Tottenham with four, West Ham United and West Brom with one. Four goalkeepers, why? Now, back in 2017, the England Twitter account actually mentioned this, uh, and I quote them, you have to include three in a matchday squad, and it can be difficult to call up a replacement at short notice if one pulls out. So those goalkeepers, um, obvious one is Joe Hart, who we all know Gav Southgate um, is putting his faith in. Before conceding three against Burnley, Joe actually hadn't played in a Premier League game since the 29th of November when he conceded four to Everton. Last played in an England game versus Brazil. Uh, and as I say, Gareth Southgate has nailed his colours to the mast. He's likely to play some part, I'm sure, against Holland or Italy um, and will add to his already 75 caps. Alongside Joe Hart, we've got Jack Butland of Stoke. Currently in the bottom three. Is that going to be a confidence issue? Jordan Pickford of Everton, of course he done so well against Germany in November. And um, a debut cap or a debut call-up for Nick Pope of Burnley. Riding high in the Premier League, seventh at the moment. Is he the best English goalkeeper on form? Here is what Gareth Southgate has to say. With Nick, his form has been excellent. Um, it's great credit to Burnley and, and Sean that we've got two of their sort of defensive unit in the squad. Shows the work that they do. Um, Nick's not a player we've worked with. You know, our other three goalkeepers have huge experience um, either at senior international level or junior international level. I mean, Butland with under 17 Euros, under 20 World Cup, Olympic Games, Pickford, 17s and 20s World Cups. So we need to find out a bit more about Nick because if we lose one of our more serious uh, senior goalkeepers, um, we, we don't want to be bringing a new player in at, at the end of the season. Um, and his form justifies coming in uh, into that mix. Moving on to the defenders, Manchester City's Carl Walker is called up, as is Ryan Bertrand from Southampton. Joe Gomez had a great game against Brazil, although has missed a few games recently for Liverpool. Leicester's Harry Maguire um, has been an ever-present so far for Leicester in the Premier League. Danny Rose from Tottenham. John Stones, Manchester City. He's been in and out of uh, the City team through injuries. Danny Rose of Tottenham. Kieran Trippier of Tottenham as well. Um, alongside... Nick Pope, the two debut call-ups, Alfie Mawson of Swansea, I guess one of the surprises, uh, but again has been an ever-present in the Premier League this season, um, actually scored a couple of goals as well, and alongside him, Burnley's James Tarkowski. And this is what Gareth Southgate had to say about those two being called up. On top of that, we've got other players that I want to have a look at, um, you know, Tarkowski, Mawson, who respectively with their clubs, uh, players we want to look at, not just for now, but beyond the summer as well. Maybe they're ready for the World Cup. Maybe it's beyond that as well. Um... So on to the midfielders. Uh, Jack Wilshere has played his way back into the squad. He's actually played 31 games so far this season for England. He's looking to add to his already 34 England caps. Last game for Jack was the uh, infamous Iceland game. 
2016 at the Euros. But we kind of do remember his two goals um, against Slovenia in the Euro qualifying for that 2015. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain from Liverpool. Kind of wondering now, has Jurgen Klopp got the best out of him? Deli Ali from Tottenham. Uh, he'll be looking to add to the two goals he already has for England. Eric Dyer from Tottenham. Lewis Cook from Bournemouth. He was called up for the Brazil squad but didn't make it to the pitch uh, last year. And of course he was the captain of last year's under-20 World Cup team. So you kind of think that his time um, will come if he doesn't come in the next two games, perhaps he may see some match time in the two friendlies before the World Cup. Jordan Henderson of Liverpool. I'm thinking if we've got no Kane or no Cahill, is uh, Gareth Southgate perhaps looking to Henderson um, for the captain's armband? Adam Lallana, again from Liverpool. Got to be honest, Adam Lallana, I think on his day, he can be one of our better players but injuries of late we'll have to see how he fares Jesse Lingard Manchester United uh, is included Jake Livermore West Bromwich Albion I've got to be honest as well I'm not sure I've ever seen him have a good game in an England shirt so he'll be a surprise if he makes the pitch but uh, Gareth Southgate seems to have his faith in him uh, Raheem Sterling, Manchester City, and Ashley Young from Manchester United make up the midfield section. And then we've got a forward line. Marcus Rashford from Manchester United. Uh, he has to start, doesn't he? Supposedly, Gareth Southgate told him he's a cert for Russia. Um, but yeah, I think we all we all know what Marcus Rashford is capable of and perhaps the pressure will be on him just a little bit more with Harry Kane's absence. Jamie Vardy of Leicester is in, will be looking to add to his six goals already, 19 caps for Jamie Vardy. He's one of the, one of the older players um, in the squad at uh, 31 years. Um, and Danny Welbeck of Arsenal uh, has clearly benefited from Kane's absence. Uh, he's not scored in the Premier League since September um, last year. Um, although he's called up and scored against two in Milan in the Europa League. Um, so perhaps he's, uh, perhaps he's answered his critics there. And he does have a habit of scoring for England, um, does Danny Welbeck. He's got 15 goals to his name. Um, but yes, there obviously is some hesitation, queries with Danny Welbeck and his selection. But here's what Gareth Southgate has to say on the matter. Danny as a replacement really for Harry in that we have forwards that can run in behind defences and, and his physical presence is, is a little bit different to the profile of others who might have come in to fulfil that role. Now with the squad's announcement, of course, people have their feedback. Um, just looking through Facebook and Twitter, Ryan Cunningham uh, at Reese on Twitter, unquestionably the worst England squad I have ever seen. Not even remotely promising. Scott Prentice at Scott Prentice 3 on Twitter, did I just see Hart, Livermore and Welbeck think I'm drunk? And Dom Smith on the uh, Three Lions podcast Facebook. Thank you for your, uh, your comments. Not happy with exclusion of John Joe Shelby and Andros Townsend. But other than that, pretty happy. I'm not sure I'm happy with Joe Hart being involved. Go on, throw in Scott, Hart, Scott Carson. 
who incidentally is currently doing well at Derby. Um, but with regards to players being overlooked, uh, many were surprised that Glenn Murray from Brighton was overlooked. He's been scoring well for the Seagulls this season. Uh, Jamal Cassells of Newcastle also overlooked, but has represented England at all youth international levels. Perhaps his time will come. Um, previous players um, in previous squads not to have made it. Tammy Abraham... Um, I think Gareth Southgate has said he's possibly going to go back to the under-21s for a period of time. Um, but because of injury, uh, Fabian Delph, Phil Jones, Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, haven't made it into this squad. Um, we've also heard previously Gareth Southgate's thoughts on Chris Smalling. He's not likely to be involved anytime soon. Uh, no Michael Keane either of Everton uh, and Harry Winks was involved in the last squad uh, but not involved in this one. What are your thoughts on the squad? Uh, let us know on the, uh, the Facebook page or on Twitter at 3 Lions Podcast. Starting 11-wise from a personal point of view, um, I think in in either of the games, I'm, I'm expecting uh, Jordan Pickford to have a start. Um, Gareth Southgate has always mentioned recently that he wants a back three, so you're going to look at Harry Maguire, John Stones together, and perhaps blood in Alfie Mawson or Tokowski um, alongside those two. Um, left and right back, Sashley Young, Carl Walker, Eric Dyer in the middle, Rashford, Ali, Sterling and Jamie Vardy up front. I think I'd be um, fairly happy if that was a starting 11 um, from my point of view. So with regards to Holland and Italy, with neither appearing at the World Cup, I'd imagine them looking to be blooding new players, perhaps experimental sides in anticipation of their Nation League ties that'll be coming up. I'm now joined by James Rowe, Dutch football expert who contributes to footballorangie.com, has appeared on TalkSport and Arsenal Fan TV, who can perhaps tell us a little bit more. Hello, James. Good afternoon, Russell. Hello there. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for, for joining us on the, the Three Lions podcast um, with some Dutch perspective. Um, well, to start with, perhaps, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no problem at all. My name is James Rowe. I've been uh, living and working in, in the Netherlands for more than 10 years. For the last three years, I've been um, writing for footballandia.com and recently for World Football Index in terms of uh, my own exclusive interviews with professional players and managers. Um, I've interviewed recently the likes of Ricky van Rollerswinkel, Mike van der Horden and uh, Jeffrey Gauwelier who plays in the Bundesliga and it's nice to interview Dutch professional players and managers on a regular basis and it's really interesting to hear what they have to say. Also um, giving um, information to different sites about a Dutch perspective at club level and, and today uh, international level. So really looking forward to it. The, the main purpose of our conversation today is, is the, uh, the forthcoming friendly, which is being played over in Amsterdam. What, what are your initial thoughts on that, that forthcoming friendly? 
Uh, looking forward to it. It's uh, it's like a rebirth for the national team, having uh, Ronald Koeman as the manager. Uh, the appointment of Ronald Koeman was basically, basically four years too late. You could say better late than never, because after the World Cup in Brazil in 2014, the Dutch FA chose Gersidink uh, rather than Koeman, and that's when the slide uh, started, really. Uh, Koeman himself has um, advocated that he's wanted the national job for some time and it's a fantastic opportunity for him. And uh, so hopefully we over here we're hoping for the start of a rebirth in terms of um, putting together a Dutch national team that can be competitive again. I see. You don't think his um, Everton experience will hold him back? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I think considering the position he's in now, with his experience in his career, especially managing here in the Netherlands, he's managed Arsene Alakmaar, Feyenoord, PSV and Ajax. And at all four clubs, he was able to have success in terms of blooding through players, in terms of creating a competitive team. And I think eventually he'll be able to do that with the national team as well. Okay, and, and if if I'm right in saying, didn't he have um, his almost initial managerial job? Wasn't he assist, um sort of uh, manager of the the Dutch team in a in an interim period? Is that right? Um, no, he was assistant to Hussidink at the World Cup in 1998, and ah. he, he cut his managerial teeth as a manager back in 2000 when he was appointed manager of Vitesse Arnhem. So he's been managing for 17 years and he's um, managing 17 years outright. So uh, has an awful lot of experience. I think that is the thing. He he kind of gives a, um, a sort of a young perspective. But when you look at his um, his managerial career, he certainly has been been out there. And, and you'd imagine has got the experience now to to go on to the, the managerial, national managerial job. And, it's, and as you say, it's obviously a job that he, he clearly wants. Um, and, but it, it is, I'm sure, as you say, a, a real rebuilding job. Mm. Um, I mean, what is the, the main objective? Is he looking at um, Nations League? Are you looking at the next Euros? What, what is the, the aim? Uh, the aim, Russell, is to, is, to, um, is to build a team that will be able to compete. Because, uh, as listeners may well know, the Netherlands missed out on Euro 2016 and this summer's World Cup due to uh, problems behind the scenes at uh, board level in the Dutch FA, appointing managers that don't necessarily have an awful lot of experience or interim managers that are only there to kind of uh, cover a few games. Whereas now they have um, they have an assignment ahead to, um, to rebuild an entire team. And it's going to take time. But yeah. I have full confidence in Kuma with his experience abroad, but more importantly, experience in the Dutch game, that piece by piece he will create a team that will be able to compete again in future. And from you say piece by piece, it's, it's clearly that is a, a patience game. Um, I mean, are the Dutch the Dutch supporters are are they going to be patient? Um, what what is the mood in Holland like with regards to the national team? Um, well, given this appointment, now uh, the mood is has become an awful lot more positive. Uh, when uh, they had Gersilink uh, in charge and Danny Blind in charge, uh, where the results weren't really coming and particularly the style of play wasn't very good, there was many, many rumblings of discontent, whereas now they see it as a, an opportunity to start afresh. And um, it's an opportunity with, with a manager who has an awful lot of experience. So they're, they're looking forward to the future. And naturally, you have uh, Ian Robin has just retired. 
and uh, it's about blooding the youngsters through uh, the squad that Cumin announced has five debutants for uh-huh. the friendly game uh, against the England in Amsterdam and against Portugal in Geneva. And um, it's uh, going to be very interesting to see how he gets on. I'm also wondering the the sort of reaction um, that England fans may give Ronald Koeman because he does have a little bit of history with England. Is is that something that's been mentioned um, over there? Uh, not really, no. Not no. really. They, uh, the Dutch themselves were quite surprised as to how Koeman's reign at Everton in particular ended. They were extremely positive in terms of when he was spending lots of money and, and having ambitions of uh, of reaching Champions League football. But I think for the Dutch, from their point of view, they want to concentrate on what they have to do. They're looking forward to two friendly games against England at home and away against Portugal, sorry, in Switzerland. That game will be played. And they just want to uh, hope that he will start his reign with positive results. Okay, I mean, as well, I was sort of referring to the history with with Ronald Koeman in England. You go back to um, 1993. It's something that we're going to cover a little bit uh, later in the in the podcast. Yes, um, but uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see the reaction he gets from a uh, an England perspective. But as you say, the the Dutch squad has been announced. Well, yes. who are the players that we can we can look out for? Uh, who maybe maybe danger players? Maybe uh, players that we're already familiar with. Well, if I can start, Russell, by uh, stating that there's five debutants mm. uh, in Koeman's first squad. Uh, a defender called Hans Hartebor, who uh, has been playing in Syria for um, a year and a half. Christel is a very determined, tenacious young midfielder who can be uh, very threatening in an attacking sense. Wout Weghorst, who's really come a long way around. He uh, used to play for Hirakas Almelo. And he was uh, looked upon as a bit of a bulldozer of a, an attacker who can be quite physical. And he uh, he's really, really come a long way around and, and will has finally been involved in the Dutch national team, which is uh, good to see. And um, yeah, they're the three in terms of the debutants that will be uh, be interesting to look out for. Uh, listeners may may will also be interested to know that Patrick Kluivert's son, Justin Kluivert, is also been included in the squad. He has electric pace. I've really? Watched him first, I've watched him at first hand for Ajax this season, and he's been so he's grabbing his team by the scruff of the neck to get them over the line to um, to get positive results. So they are four of the uh, debutants outfield that, uh, that could well play uh, a part, especially in the England game, and, and they will be able to bring something to the table. Well, I imagine if, if uh, Clivert's son is, is half the player that he was, then uh, he's got a, uh, an incredible future ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'll be honest. I haven't really seen the the Dutch squad yet. Are there any players that um, that cut their teeth over here that play in England? Uh, Davy Pripa has uh, been in, uh, has been uh, included in the squad. I think he's an exceptional player. I think Brighton have a, a tremendous player, and um, he's been um, he's been quite important for the national team when he's played. Uh, he scored against Bulgaria, I believe, uh, uh, recently. And uh, Martin Delon, who used to play for Middlesbrough. Who I thought was extremely unlucky, and you see with Martin Delon, things didn't work out for him at Middlesbrough, but you see him. He's now back at Atalanta. He's uh, becoming a, a force again in, in that midfield and becoming a bit of a general. So that should be uh, should be quite interesting. Memphis Depay, since leaving uh, Manchester United, has gone on to. Um, 
gone on to play more regularly in France and has, has got his confidence back. So they're three players with a, a previous past in England recently, but uh, may well require attention, yes. OK, and with regards to the, the game, well, is it a sellout, do you know? Um, as far as I'm aware, it's not completely sold out, no, but I would imagine that you would get between 45,000 and 50,000 uh, in attendance. OK, and for, for uh, supporters that are going over, I don't know, because it's a, um, a Friday night game, going for a long weekend, any, anywhere that you would suggest is, is worth checking out in and around the Amsterdam area? Well, there's, this this city is a wonderful place to live. I've I've been fortunate enough to live here for more than a decade, and uh, I really really enjoy it. For people that enjoy uh, culture, there's the Anne Frank Museum and uh, there's the Vincent van Gogh Museum. In terms of going out and about, you can uh, you can go to the light supply area where there's lots of cafes, bars, and restaurants. And also in terms of shopping, if uh, people like to shop, you've got the Galvestraat, which is the main shopping street, and uh, and another uh, street in the west of the city called the Harlemstraat, which has nice shops and cafes. So there's there's plenty to do. The infrastructure of the city means that it will be very easy for the fans to get around. Uh, there's direct trains going from the main station to Amsterdam Belma Arena, where there's stadium is uh, is situated so there will be lots of opportunities for fans to to have lots of fun uh, english is also the second language of the netherlands so uh, they will be able to communicate without any difficulty um, dutch national uh, team supporters always look forward to uh, to hosting uh, english uh, supporters in terms of mixing with them and, and creating a merry atmosphere so for the fans that are going to the match uh, next friday they can expect to have a wonderful time yeah, I think, as you say, about the uh, the Dutch fans, uh, the fact that they were not going to be at the at the World Cup, um, just just missing that that sea of orange is is one of those things that is going to be missed. And and we've always known the Dutch to be be great supporters, um, always provide a, a a great atmosphere in in previous games that I've been to between the two nations. Mm. Just back to the uh, back to the game. What what was your prediction for the game? My prediction is that the Netherlands will win 2-1, Russell. I think okay. They'll start their reign with a win. My prediction mm. is that the Netherlands will go uh, to, into a 2-0 lead and England will pull one back. Uh, obviously, being uh, British and being an Arsenal supporter based here in Amsterdam, I do like to keep an eye on English football and, and the national team. I am very, very surprised to see, in particular, James Ward-Prowse and Mark Albrighton not included in the squad, as I think they're two absolutely fantastic players. And um, having looked at England's uh, squad, I feel that with home advantage, this is a great opportunity for the Netherlands to secure to secure the win. Yeah, I mean, it's, you say about um, those two players, there are... Um, as we've mentioned previously earlier in the podcast, there are players that have been left out um, that have caused uh, or have raised eyebrows. John Joe Shelby, Andrus Townsend, uh, Glenn Murray, we've also mentioned, Jamal Lacassells of Newcastle. So, yes, you are you are right. There are players out there that, um, that are worthy of a, um, a place in the in the squad. Um, but, well, Gareth Southgate is the uh, is the man in charge. His, his, his head is the one on the block, I guess. Um, James, thank you very much for, for joining us. If if people were uh, want to get in touch with you or, or learn a bit more about uh, Dutch football, um, would you be open to that? Do you have um, links that they can contact you via? Yes, uh, I'm more than happy to help anyone who has any questions or any um, opportunities that might arise. They can check out my Twitter feed, which is at James Rowe NL. 
uh, if you have any questions or you'd like me to help with anything, I'm more than happy to um, more than happy to oblige. Also, with uh, I write regularly for footballalanya.com and recently for World Football Index, so you'll be able to find my bios and recent uh, articles on those two sites as well. Great stuff. Well, uh, well, I'll put a link to to your Twitter. I know we've already retweeted a couple of tweets in itself, but we'll uh, we'll make sure you're included in in this uh, in in this podcast and and how people can contact you. Thank you very much indeed, James. Thank you very much for for joining us and and enjoy the game. Yes, you too, and uh, enjoy Amsterdam as well. Will do. Thank you. So we're off to Amsterdam for the 23rd of March. Ajax is Amsterdam Arena, to be precise, for the fourth time, following 1-1 draws in 2002 and 2006, and a 2-2 draw in August 2009, all of those friendlies. Over the years, two nations have faced each other 20 times, England with only won five. We've lost six and we've drawn nine. Of course, the most recent meeting was the 2-1 home defeat in March 2016. Jamie Vardy getting the opening goal um, until two second half efforts sealed the win for the Dutch. Of course, since then, Holland have faltered, stuttered and failed to reach Euro 2016. And of course, this summer's World Cup finishing third in their qualifying group behind Sweden and France. Things have changed since then though. Iron Robin has retired and last month saw the appointment of Ronald Koeman as manager following Dick Advocat stepping down after their November friendlies. Whilst we were playing Germany and Brazil, Holland beat Scotland in Aberdeen and Romania in Bucharest. Koeman of course recently sacked from his position at Everton but it is worth pointing out he's been a thorn in England's side before a member of the team that put England to the sword in Euro 88. Uh, he was also part of the team that drew in 1990, but probably more remembered for the part he played in a World Cup qualifier in Rotterdam, 1993. England went there needing a victory. It all got a bit heated on 57 minutes when David Platt was through on goal, only for Koeman to pull him down from behind in the area. Red card, penalty, surely. Q. Brian Moore and Ron Atkinson. Can Platt get there first? Platt can get there first for England. That's got to be a penalty. Penalty given for England. The Dutch are claiming outside. The referee looked hard at the linesman. The linesman said inside. No. Has he given a penalty? A yellow card has gone to uh, Donald Coleman. I think he's changed his mind. He's changed his mind and given a free kick outside. Brian, is that not a sending off offence under the rules of the game? Absolutely. Let's just determine first, though. That's got to be, hasn't it? I that's, mean, that's he's a through with a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Red card. He's given a yellow. Koeman was the one who opened the scoring that night. And it wasn't one of David Seaman's England highlights. He's going to flip one now. He's going to flip one. He's going to flip one. And he's in. Now this was a game where there was a little subplot developing. A television crew had also been dispatched to Rotterdam to document the game and famously court manager Graham Taylor 
talking to an official close by and a linesman after being mic'd up for the famous Impossible Job documentary. This was to be the end of the road for Taylor. Even if he doesn't see it as a penalty, he has to go. He ha you know that, I know you know it, so... And then the fellow scores a free kick. You can't say anything, I know you can't say anything, I know that. You see, at the end of the day, I get the sack now. I'm just saying to your colleague, referee's got me the sack. Thank you ever so much for that, won't you? However, things got better. Cooman retired and England put those results behind them with one of the most memorable games in recent memory. Wembley, Euro 96. The team that day, David Seaman, Gary Neville, Captain Tony Adams, Stuart Pearce, Gareth Southgate, Darren Anderton, Paul Gascoigne, Paul Ince, Steve McMallaman, Alan Shearer and Teddy Sheringham. Following the victory over Scotland three days earlier, there can't have been many who would have predicted what was going to happen this Tuesday evening against the Dutch. 21 minutes in, Paul Ince is brought down in the area by Danny Blint. Where Gary McAllister missed for Scotland, how will Shearer fare for England? He scores! Halfway through the first half, 1-0 to England. Three goals in three games for Alan Shearer. Then England go all out in the second half. Teddy Sheringham grabs the second. Sheringham, nice goal! Almost to his own disbelief, it dropped into the corner of the net. And it's 2-0, five minutes into the second half. Alan Shearer gets his second and England's third. McManaman, Gascoigne into the area. Sheringham, it's cut back for him. It's set up for Shearer. 3-0! Then Sheringham, he gets his second, and England's fourth. Uh, another top-class goal for Terry Venable's team, and Alan Shearer, of course, is on a hat-trick. Anderson, what stopping goes Sheringham! It gets better and better and better. Tuesday 27th of March we're at home to Italy like our record against Holland or one against the Azzurri isn't particularly good we've met each other 26 times only winning eight of them seven have been draws and 11 defeats our most recent meeting was the one all draw in March of 2015 a game where Andros Townsend got our goal other notable moments from the game included Joe Hart making his 50th appearance and Harry Kane made his full debut. Now the team that day was Joe Hart, Nathaniel Klein, Chris Smalling, Phil Jagielka, Kieran Gibbs, Jordan Henderson, Phil Jones, Fabian Delph, Wayne Rooney, Theo Walcott and Harry Kane. We have to go back to August 2012 for our last victory over Italy, a 2-1 win in a friendly. Now with regards to Italy, they haven't played since their World Cup playoff against Sweden, where they lost 1-0 over the two games. 
Now, I was under the impression that Gigi Buffon and Giorgio Cialini had hung up their international boots, but both had been named in their 26-man squad. And following Italy's failure to qualify for the World Cup, manager Gian Piero Ventura was sacked. In the meantime, Luigi Di Baggio, Italy's under-21 boss, is currently in charge on an interim basis. Possible candidates for the job include Chelsea's under-fire Antonio Conte and current Juve boss Massimiliano Allegri. Now the same night as we play Holland, Italy will be playing Argentina in a friendly at the City of Manchester Stadium, or the Etihad, of all places. Of course, the Italians will be playing against the backdrop of the passing of Davide Storri, the Fiorentina captain who died of a suspected heart attack at the beginning of March. While he only won 14 caps between 2011 and 2017, I'm sure there will be a sombre atmosphere there, and likely to be against England at Wembley. Now, if you'd like to feature on the next podcast then why not record a 30-second review on your phone of your thoughts on our games against Holland or Italy. Start it by letting me know your name, where you're from and your comments and email it to 3lionspodcast at gmail.com and then I'll share it on the next podcast. So 30-second review, let me know your name, where you're from, who you support as well and what you thought of either game. As before... Thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you listened in the air, hopefully you're just about to land and had a safe journey. Thank you to James Rowe for his Dutch contribution. And don't forget that you can find us on Facebook where we have a community there. Feel free to post and chat. We're also on Twitter at Three Lions Podcast. And we're also now on Spotify if that's how you listen to your podcasts along with iTunes. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a review positive would be preferable and as promised I'll catch you again when I digest our results which for what it's worth I think we'll get a draw in Amsterdam and a win against Italy. As long as the players can gel together and form understandings with each other going forward with competitions for places then I'll be happy. I'll leave you with this from the recent Gareth Southgate press conference when asked should England fans travel to Russia obviously aimed at the political climate and I know he's towing the line but the general acknowledgement is there of us as England fans. Well look it's it's always a huge boost for us as a team when we've got our travelling support with us you know we have uh, some of the best fans in the world so um, we in the end that's got to be an individual choice um, uh, as to where which games they attend it costs a lot of money a lot of money to follow England and Tickets for major tournaments are expensive, so um, you know there, there's there's various reasons why people choose to go to certain games. But um, for us, it's a massive boost when we've got our supporters in the stadium, definitely. <laughs>